Hello and welcome to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. This is episode 32 of the most influential weekly podcast to come out of the Saskatchewan business community. On each episode, Paul Martin, business commentator and the chair of Martin Charlton Communications, brings us the stories behind the headlines and explains why each story matters to you. On today's episode, there's a couple of elements to this, but effectively we're looking at the day that town, a place, decided to change its tune. Paul, uh, firstly, it's lovely to see you here once again, but what's this all about? This goes back about, uh, well, about 30 years, and it was a uh, uh, decision in you know, in this province, of course, we have two major cities, and so they're very influential. And obviously, the the second tier of cities, uh, and, and sort of as they call them, the big cities in the province, uh, you know, are uh, they play at a slightly different level because really, political landscape, the business landscape, really emanates from the two cities, and and largely, I would say, Saskatoon uh, plays the role in that on the business front. And this goes back to my days as a, a newspaper columnist. I was at the Star Phoenix, and uh, the there was this amazing dichotomy in between the two cities. So Regina was enjoying a, a boom. Uh, Crown Life had arrived, and Farm Credit had arrived, and there was housing construction going on like crazy. And in Saskatoon, it was the exact opposite. There was no external catalyst that was firing anything up with one exception, and that exception was AECL. And in those days, there was some consideration being given to uh, development of, well, a smaller scale uh, nuclear reactor. So not the SMRs we're talking about today, but, you know, step was one of the challenges that Atomic Energy of Canada had at the time was that they built these giant things and there was such a limited market for them, and particularly in Canada. So they, they had uh, decided they would... Uh, we kind of got talking with uh, SAS Power, and uh, they ended up coming to Saskatchewan with an idea that they would design a new smaller size, sort of a mid-size, if I could put it that way, reactor. The thought process was, you know, maybe somewhere around Saskatoon or Lloydminster, perhaps North Battleford would be the locations because you'd need river cooling. And the underlying thought was that the oil sands could use the power and they would generate the heat up there that's needed to uh, extract the oil from the sand. And so that was the plan. So AECL opened an office in Saskatoon. They took the old modern press building and refurbed it. And you know, that was kind of the sense of optimism that was going on. And along comes change of government. Uh, the Romano administration kind of decided, no, that uh, nuclear wasn't a part of the future. So ultimately, AECL pulled out uh, they closed the shop and uh you know it's up second avenue there that's uh, kenny ox has built a new building on that site but uh it's across from the brewery uh, was where they were located and and i wrote a column that said that was the day that business optimism in saskatoon officially died and uh, you know it was because there was this frustration between regina and saskatoon regina growing saskatoon flat I think I wrote a column at that same time. The only crane seeing in Saskatoon was migrating. Uh, you know, there was, it was really, it was kind of dark. So I wrote this column and some in the business community 
uh, picked it up and they, they put it onto a page and they wrote a letter uh, to the premier, Roy Romano, at the top of it and, and said, sadly, there's some truth in this article about business optimism having died. So they mounted a campaign, a fax campaign in those days to uh, bombard the premier's office and say, you know, let's shake this up. And I think that was the turning point. And here's why. The turning point came was that was the last time that the business community really significantly looked at it and said, making an economy grow is government's responsibility. And they became very frustrated with this because obviously there was very little the government could do about this thing. And it came at a time when the government really didn't have any money. I know it was a really challenging time. And the business community came to the conclusion that if things were going to change, no longer would we phone the legislature, but rather we would look internally. So it was this turning of the finger from when you were pointing it at someone else to turning it back and, and looking in the mirror and pointing it at you. And so, you know, as we explored this later, later in the decade, we uh, got involved with uh, some folks from the Saskatchewan chamber and preparing something called action Saskatchewan, a blueprint for 2005, which was the hundredth anniversary of the province. And what were we going to do in our second century? And it was a, a kind of a cast out to the community to have a conversation about what did we want to look like? And here was the, the stark revelation that came from this. You have to remember that the nineties were a difficult period in Saskatchewan. Out migration was the primary story that we were talking about the business community. You know, I, I remember as we were doing research for action, Saskatchewan, one of the uh, the co-authors on this thing, uh, Claire Kirkland, who was later a, a deputy minister and a crown president, he, he, you know, we sent him out and, and said, get some data. And he said, what do you want? Uh, we didn't know. We said, I don't know, be creative. So he was, he, he went to grade eight classrooms and he sat down with the kids and he said to them, and here was the question, at what age do you kids start talking among yourselves out on the playground about moving to Alberta? Interesting question, right? And the kids came back. The answer was 12, 12 years old. So it was clear to us that they were not getting this by reading the business section of the Globe and Mail every day. They were getting it at home, that there was a complete sense of loss for the province, of failure, that we didn't have anything going on. And uh, that the only really positive opportunity was for kids to leave. That opportunity resided outside the borders of the province. And, you know, that was, that was a difficult time. But when we started to see this change coming, it started to manifest itself this way. It was, I recognize the province is not succeeding economically, but it can't be my fault. Uh, I'm working hard every day. And we started to blame, look for someone to blame. Blame assignment became a really powerful tool. And we were victims. And so victim mentality kind of took over. And here's how it, it manifests itself. Basically, it said, if you are successful, Dan, if you're the one who's successful, you're getting a bigger piece of the pie. And if you're getting a bigger piece, it stands to reason I must be getting a smaller one. So I must hate you. I must do everything I can to be dissatisfied with your success. And what we found was we had a bias against success in the province. 
that if you were successful, you were vilified, you were the enemy, you were the problem. And, you know, I did a lot of public speaking in those days, especially in rural communities. And you, you go into a small town and you'd uh, just ask, you know, you'd sort of jokingly say, hey, who grew up here in a small town? And they'd all laugh and put their hand up. And I say, so what happens in that small community you grew up in when the local hardware store owner buys a new car? Well, we say, well, Yes, we don't need to deal with that person anymore. They've made enough money off my back. And, and, it, and it resonated. And it was ironic because I was remember speaking in Milford and this guy pulled me aside after the chamber meeting where I'd been speaking. He said, can, you, can we step outside for a minute? So we went outside the building on the parking lot and it was wintertime and he still wanted to go out there. We went out and he said, I'm the local hardware store guy. <laughs> and he said, I have to tell you, I, I sold my business three years ago and I waited three years to buy a new car because I didn't, my, my kids bought the business and I didn't want them to have to wear it. He said there was a house that came up for sale in the community. It was a beautiful home. Somebody come to town, built it, blah, 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 left town. And, you know, my wife and I wanted to buy that house, but I couldn't because I felt it would jeopardize my business. And and, you know, it's a pretty insidious thing, right? And uh, and so when all of this kind of confluence came together, uh, attitudes beginning to change and, and the AECL decision in Saskatoon and all of it just kind of surfaced up at once and people made some observations or, you know, revelations were, were seen and, and the change came in and that was kind of the core of what we wrote in Action Saskatchewan, which was at the culmination of that decade, was no longer do we go look for the answers to the economy at the legislature. We look in the business community. And Brad Wall really embodied that. He he got that. He it resonated with him. And he was the one who kept saying, no, you know, go do it yourself. And and it evolved. And today when I talk to business people and there's a problem out there, no one says, let's call the government. They say, let's get the chamber together or a business group together, or I'm just going to take charge of that or I'll form a committee or whatever. You know, it's, it's been a kind of a significant development and change. And, and to have been around to see when we were on the other side of that coin now on this side and to have seen the transition and to have been a reporter through that and kind of, you know, having had the opportunity to write some of it as it was going along. And, and as they say, journalism is history on the fly. So we really don't get context until, you know, here we are three decades later. And I'm sort of able to reflect on it now and say, hey, that was an interesting transformation. And I got to watch it happen. And what were the key factors in it? Well, you know, there was a, a victim and a success story going on between the two cities and and bless the hearts of the folks in Saskatoon. And they created this, uh, you know, when I wrote that column that said business optimism died, there was a, a group got together. I think it was six or seven of them. Uh, Russ Mark, who was leading it, I think. And they, I think they called themselves Synergy, if I recall correctly. And they just decided, you know what, we're going to take we're just going to take the bull by the horns here and start doing some stuff. And they, they started a campaign uh, to like, let's not wait for the government anymore. They've got other priorities. And, and, you know, there was at that time, Romano was more preoccupied with changes to the trade union act than he was to working with the employer side. Uh, and so they actually had, you know, the business community had difficulty being heard in Regina. So, if nothing else, they were forced into this situation, but it worked. 
And Saskatchewan has never looked back. And once we shed the mantle of government as the answer to all the problems and the private sector stepped up and realized, no, I make stuff happen. The economy has grown dramatically and we've added to the population and uh, just generally attitudes have improved too. So when we look at attitudes, we're going to do an episode soon, which will be dedicated uh, or based around the the um, scarcity mindset and the abundance mindset. But that seems to come into play in this. And just for, for you know, the, the sense of place with this, people with a scarcity mindset have the mindset and subsequent behaviors that there are limited options in life, whilst people with an abundance mindset believe that there's plenty of everything to go around whether it be finances, opportunities, et cetera. And- no, precisely. And, and you know, you, you can see it. I mean, uh, the basic assumption that you're making here is that the pie is fixed in size. So we're, you can't grow the pie. And I think the, the other side of that is, yes, the pie can be expanded. And uh, I, I can never forget about that guy who ran the U.S. Patent Office in 1899 and said it's time to close the office. Everything that can be invented has been invented. Um, so, you know, that is the ultimate scarcity based thinking, but if you look at it this year, uh, we're saying to, uh, farmers, Hey, let kind of have to like fill in the gap for what's not going to be produced in Eastern Europe because of the war. Uh, you know, there's nobody here who says, well, that's not possible because we can't grow any more crop. No, they're just saying crank up the fertilizer production folks. Cause here we come, we're going to add some additional inputs. And as a result, the potash sector is saying, Everybody's saying BHP saying we're accelerating Janssen. Uh, uh, Nutrien has said we're going to accelerate and go to maximum output. I mean, people are responding and that the pie can be made to be bigger if, um, you know, if the right circumstances uh, prevail. And so this is, this is kind of a, an, a really good lesson for those who think government action is, uh, and, and the only rules government are tools government has is restrictions. COVID was a good example. You know, they just shut everything down. That's the way you prevent it. The private sector response is, no, I'm going to invent a vaccine. Everybody will be immune and then we'll just carry on again. So one was, one was very limiting and it was about rules and containment. And the other one was about, no, knock the walls down and let's expand this thing. So there's your two basic mindsets. And, and some will describe it in the context of a stock market as fear and greed. Uh, you know, one is very restrictive and the other one is very open. And so maybe this is just the human psyche at play and that uh, we should expect the pendulum to swing back and forth. But it was interesting to watch Saskatchewan as a social experiment in the late 90s as we emerged from one side of the coin and we moved over to the other side of the line and became one that embraced more free market solutions rather than asking government to intervene and to provide all the solutions to the problems of the day. And how we have companies who are interested now and for a long time at investing here, growing here, opening offices here, starting new enterprises here. The mindset attracted me uh, to move here as well. Paul, a huge thank you for this. And thank you for taking the time to listen to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. Do share these insights that power Saskatchewan with your friends and colleagues. Saskatchewan Matters is proud to be a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network.